Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. Especially the nonprofit world needs to pause and just say, I'm enough. I'm good. We're going to do great. I just need to pace it a little better so I don't go insane so I can do the good work that our nonprofits are doing in the community that needs us. And without me and without my mental health, none of this works. Hey, my name is Mallory and I'm obsessed with helping leaders in the nonprofit space raise money and run their organizations differently. What the Fundraising is a space for real and raw conversations to both challenge and inspire you. Not too long ago, I was in your shoes, uncomfortable with fundraising and unsure of my place in this sector. It wasn't until I started to listen to other experts outside of the fundraising space that I was able to shift my mindset and ultimately shift the way I show up as a leader. This podcast is my way of blending professional and personal development so we as a collective inside the nonprofit sector can feel good about the work we are doing. Join me every week as I interview some of the brightest minds in the personal and professional development space to help you fundamentally change the way you lead and fundraise. I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with my new friend, Patrick Kirby. Patrick, welcome to What the Fundraising. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. By the way, listen, as a fellow podcaster, I don't get jealous a lot, except for the fact of the matter that you have the title, What the Fundraising, has has (laughs) irked me personally. Yeah, I love you. It has irked me since I saw it in its inception, because I'm like, how did I not come up with that? I'm so jealous. God bless you. I'm so excited to be here, by the way. So excited. The best welcome ever. Um, Thank you. Thank you. It makes me, it gives me some good giggles. So, okay. Tell everybody though about you. Tell them about what you do, what brings you like to the sector, to our conversation today. And then we're just going to dive in. I love it. All right. I am uh, I'm Patrick Kirby. I own Do Good Better. We're a consulting firm in Fargo, North Dakota that helps nonprofits suck less at fundraising. I've been at this work for nearly 20 years. I'm obsessed with it. I'm a super fundraising nerd. That's why we're chatting today because we have this uh, bond over nerdness in the old <laughs> fundraising world. And that's why we're chatting. I think we also have this bond over like really wanting to like see fundraisers where they're at and what they're dealing with and also wanting to like like, meet them where they're at, but then also re-energize them around what's possible. So I think that's why I like vibed with you immediately was I was just like, I can feel my energy rise when I'm around you. I know fundraisers can feel it too, but it doesn't mean that you don't like see them in like their pain of the moment. So talk to me a little bit about like what you sort of see as this, I don't know, like tension point that we're in as as a sector in terms of where fundraisers are at and like, how do we meet them there? Right. Well, first, I appreciate that because again, that's, it's the vibe I'm going for too, because I've been in the shoes, right? So when you're, when you're running a department or you're the boots on the ground, first like entry level person, you're running on fumes day two, 
right? You get really excited about like, I'm going to fundraise for a lot of people and a lot of money and we're going to raise some funds for our community, whatever. And then day two, you're like, I'm exhausted already. How is this possible? So I find myself in a really weird position in which I get to be this like uh, amateur therapist for individuals who are going through fundraising issues. And I remember instantaneously what it was like to be in their position or be in their shoes. And I talk with people every single day about this. And so um, I know how little energy people have currently. And so I'm going to give every bit of me to say, listen, I know it's not helpful to say you got this, but I'm going to talk with you that you're not alone. You're not the only person that's felt like this. Uh, you're not the only person that sees chaos around every corner. So when we talk about what's happening reality wise today is everyone's overly stressed. Everyone's seeing the writing on the wall with this decline of donors all over the place. Um, people are second guessing what they're doing. I'm, I'm here to say you're doing fine. You're doing probably better than a lot of individuals. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Let's get you back on track. Let's get you to believe in yourself and just tell your story and get out there and just believe that you're you're making a difference. And that's going to be the game changer, I think, for a lot of organizations. Yeah, there's this whole piece around like we're just so hard on ourselves and we uh, like have this myth that we can like tough love ourselves into better fundraising yeah. and it just turns it into total paralysis it does. and it, yeah. So tell, so I can imagine when people start like hear that from you at the beginning and this happens in my work too, right? It's like, yes, there's all the strategy stuff, but right. first, if we can really change how you feel about yourself as a fundraiser, you're going to instantaneously fundraise differently. Right. So what are some things, what are some things that you do in your work with fundraisers that help them like see themselves differently and think mm -hmm. more like openly and creatively around yeah. what might be available to them. So I was told this by a board member years ago. I was sitting in a board meeting trying to justify why we weren't raising as much money as we were supposed to. And my justification was, well, we already asked them to do this event. We already asked them and sent a letter out last week or whatever. And I had a board member stand up and said, how dare you assume they don't want to give? I was like, damn it, that it's so true. It hurt, but it was also so true. I think we put a lot of projection onto those that we don't want to call, don't want to email, don't want to solicit, don't want to have coffee with because we think that they have seen us enough, heard us enough, talked to us enough. And the matter of fact is, if you look at your open rates in your email, for example, it's 25, 30% on average, which means 70% of the people who are who you're sending this stuff to isn't opening up any of the emails. So the amount of stuff that we think that we're sending that is too much is not at all the case. So understanding that people want to hear from you. They want to hear impact. They want to know that their dollars are going to something that's making their community better. They want to know these things. And if you suggest or you internalize that, like, no, I've, I've really talked to them too much. Unless they say explicitly, I don't want to talk to you as much, or I don't want to hear from you as much, keep chatting with them. And to know that is going to revolutionize your brain because you're like, oh, I'm not annoying them. They'll tell me when that's the case or they'll unsubscribe. And if they unsubscribe, by the way, it doesn't matter because they don't want to know about you anyway. And that's fine. You, you didn't lose anything, but they will tell you straight up if they don't want to hear things or they've heard from you too much. So just believe that your storytelling and your impact telling is just, it's, 
great. You're going to be okay. They want to hear from you and they want to know where their money's gone. So the more that you chat with them, the more that you connect, the better. And that that's the bond that you guys have, like both of you. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. I bet you experience, I mean, maybe you don't experience this. I experience this in my work where sometimes I'll be going to speak somewhere, doing a webinar and I'm like, oh my God, I'm feeling so repetitive. Because for me, I have talked about this thing all day, yeah. every day for almost three years. And then, you know, and so I go and I'm like, oh, like, does it, is this recycled? Have they heard this before? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I even notice that there's some overlapping audience and I'm like, oh, can I, and then I do it and everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> I've never heard this before. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. And it's like, and I feel like that is, you know, nonprofit, like we're so in it in our nonprofits. And so it's so impossible for us to like predict yeah. how something is going to land to other people or like the context they're going to hear it in. Somebody said something recently today. They were like, yeah, Mallory, but every time somebody hears you speak, like they're in a different moment, they're experiencing yeah. different things. It's like pulling out different parts of their lived experience in that moment. So it's actually never the same to them, even no. if it feels the same to you. Yeah. Oh, that's so brilliant because that's where I think a lot of our nonprofit fundraising friends specifically get in their head. They're like, oh, yeah. I've said this 15 times. Yeah. They've heard yeah. it three and yeah. they've forgotten, they've forgotten two of them. You're, you're totally right. <laughs> so, it, so, so a lot of people will be at the end of the year, right? So the, the end of the year appeal. And they're like, I got to come up with a brand new story and a brand new thing that I have to do that's new and different. Not one person remembers what you said last year, what you appealed for last year, <laughs> what you were fundraising for last year. Nobody remembers. I'm yeah. glad that you think that. That's adorable. <laughs> but nobody remembers. And and to just repeat it. And so people are trying so hard to come up with something mm -hmm. new and different and interesting and whatever, where consistency is absolutely the key to fundraising success because it, you hear this in marketing all the time. How many times do you have to hear a message or a sales pitch to buy a, a Pepsi product or a Coke product mm -hmm. or whatever? It's seven, eight, nine, 12 times now. And everybody mm -hmm. has the attention span of gnats nowadays. <laughs> Everyone. So nobody's paying attention to you as much as you think they are. And mm -hmm. that, that repetitive nature sounds boring to you. But I was, uh, but I, I, I think I've probably stolen this from uh, 12 people is the minute you are bored with your message, everyone is just beginning to hear it. That's it. The minute you're bored, double down on it because now people are beginning to hear it and they're like resonating and they're connecting the dots. So you have to keep going on that whole topic and, and people will love you for it. Uh, okay. I love that. I'm wondering if we can venture into some territory I've yet to go with somebody on this show, but something I talk about and think about a lot, which is the stigma around fundraising and how we can feel pride in being fundraisers. So, because I feel like you are someone that experienced it, that at least in my eyes, I'm like, he's proud of being a fundraiser. And I, gosh, I mean, there were so many years where I never even considered myself a fundraiser where I was like, no, I'm this. And like fundraising is a part of my role. And I would have all these really uncomfortable experiences with family members. Or like, I remember being at my daughter's daycare orientation 
and the grandfather being, you know, everybody going around and saying what they did and me saying what I did and the grandfather of one of the babies being like, don't ask me for money. And I was like, what? And like, there's just like, so like, there's just so much stigma. I think that we deal with as fundraisers or we're constantly, even inside our own organizations, like, Ooh, I could never do that. Or like, Mm -hmm. how do you ask people for money? How do we like find our pride in the work that we do in the midst of so many messages like that? So I, this is, by the way, this is a great question and it's a great topic that nobody's talking about. So human beings want to do good. We are bred and we are genetically predisposed to feeling great when we give. It's, it's that innate feeling that synapses go in your brain and they're like, oh my God, I feel so good helping others. Okay. That's a natural part of this whole human experience. We're denying people that when we prevent them from having the ability to give. So when we don't call them, when we don't visit with them, when we don't make an ask, we're preventing them from feeling great about giving back. So one of the great things that I've experienced in my life is having a conversation. I know that somebody, people listening will have this experience, but they're not, they're not tying it back to being proud of what they're doing, which is asking somebody for a gift. And they, they, they come back and they think about it with their significant other or their partner or their spouse or their family. And they then present you with a check. And I don't care if it's for 200 bucks or $200,000. They present you with the check. The pride that they feel when they present you with that is extraordinary to watch. And more likely than not, they will say, thank you for giving us the opportunity to participate and give back to our community. You're allowing them to feel great. And so you as a fundraiser, your whole purpose is not to raise money and make your budget. That's not what this is for. Your whole purpose as a fundraiser is to align people with their thoughts and their feels and their love and their passion for a specific thing and allowing them a pathway to make the world a better place through what they love and what they're passionate about. That's it. So if you're a nonprofit, if you're a fundraiser and you go to somebody and say, well, I'm not really interested in that. Your job is not to go, oh, shoot. Well, good luck and good, good night. Your job is to look, where are your feels? Where are your alignments? Where are you doing? How can I help you feel good about what you want to do, which is give? And the best gift that you can do is to that donor or to that person to say, hey, listen, why don't you try this organization? Or why don't you try doing this? Your responsibility is yes to your organization, but your responsibility is to making sure that that donor feels amazing. That's your job. You're a facilitator and a shepherd of good vibes. And that happens to be cash. Great. That's what your job is as a fundraiser. So to the ones who say, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, you probably couldn't because you don't understand that you are in the business of making others feel great about their actions when it comes to giving time, talent, or treasure, period. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also love the, the piece around the fact is like we're stewarding each other's donors. And so how we treat people and how we you know, facilitate relationships between organ, like it all impacts yeah. all of us. Um, yes. And, you know, when people have a negative experience or they feel that impacts all of us too. Um, sure and so being yeah. like shepherds of the entire sector, like Love I that. think about that a lot. 
uh, all the time. And I think that's our responsibility. And that's why you, that's why podcasts like this matter is because you get to see behind the curtain on like what people are thinking and what they're doing and that your responsibility is larger than your own little piece of the puzzle. You are a part of a a brotherhood and a sisterhood in the fundraising world that have meaning well beyond whatever your position is or whatever your programs and services are. You're making individuals understand that philanthropy makes your community better, regardless of that that's yours mm -hmm. or not. So when you give a speech, when you talk to a Rotary Club or a Lions Club, you're talking about philanthropy in general. Yeah, you want their cash, but you're talking about giving because it makes our communities better. That's your role as a fundraiser. And that is a big task to hold onto your shoulders, but my, it is the most rewarding and addicting thing of all time. So kudos mm -hmm. to everybody who's, who's in the realm because that is, it's not, and it's not that you get praise for this, right? You get praise for making the budget or building the building. What you don't get praise for is those individual moments in which you finally have that 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 a light bulb moment where that person goes, God, I feel really good about what I just did. Thank you for letting me do that. Okay. I'm freaking out a little bit because I'm so happy that we're talking about this because I feel like you are highlighting this other super tender thing in our sector that I'm trying to like excavate or tr trying to get to the bottom of in some way, which is that all of the good things about fundraising are these incredibly human, vulnerable, connected moments, right? There are these moments where we are like our full human selves, but then we are sort of told to oscillate quickly back into don't take it personally if they say no, or don't get hurt when they ghost you, or don't have this emotional connection when it's negative, right? It's like, it's like lay your emotions on the line, bleed out from this organization, take a low pay, right? All of these pieces, but then turn off and turn it into a task list the moment that it it hurts you. And so there's this like piece I've been really trying to figure out around like, how do we let fundraisers be their whole human selves in all of it? it? Which is not to say that when a donor says no, it is personal, but letting them like acknowledge that it feels personal because it felt personal when it was good and we tell them to own that, but then we try to take it away when it's bad. No, uh, I, so I love that. By the way, nobody's talking about this. Nobody. <laughs> because, because it feels bad that we have to feel bad, right? That's not yeah. a thing that we need to do. We shouldn't feel bad. We, you know, we, oh, we shouldn't feel bad about not getting that or doing this. Yeah, we should. We put our heart and our soul into that proposal and we did our research and we built a, a relationship and then they gave to someone else. You can take it personally. It's fine. Here's the thing. And again, in the industry, there are like giants here in North Dakota. One of the big like sort of names here is, is my best friend, Rebecca Undam. And she says, this is the thing that I take away a lot is giving is personal. All of it. The whole thing is personal. A no is personal. A yes is personal. A hemming and hawing that I didn't sell them properly is personal. This is why us in the industry feel overwhelmed and we are stressed. And we, because we do take it personally, we, we don't talk about it. 
we don't have a mentor or we don't have partners who are who are like-minded or who are in the industry and we don't talk about it right so you know this better than anybody else right so we'll be in a in a circle of friends we experience this in nashville together right we're sitting in the circle of friends there are a handful of people who had wins and some losses and nobody's talking about their losses because everybody's trying to like just be like i'm i'm okay i'm cool it's going to be fine or whatever you know when you go into a room that there are going to be a lot of people who have not done the things that they think they're going to do and we put on this face and we put on this mask of like everything is okay and there is not a lot of individuals who you have as personal mentors or confidants to say everything is not feeling great today. I don't know where to go to, and I don't know who to talk with this about, right? We talk a lot about mental health. We fundraise for mental health. We talk about, but nobody's talking about it in the, in the nonprofit industry about how we have to give ourselves a hell of a lot of grace for feeling bad about not getting from point A to point B. And nobody is connecting with each other because A, I think we are all absurdly competitive and we don't want to give the perception that we are not doing well because we think it's going to reflect bad on our organization or our donors or whatever when the honest truth is that every one of us have these doubts that we don't know what the hell we're doing we have doubts that we don't even know where our money's going to go from a programmatic standpoint because we can't explain where the board puts the budget we feel bad that we didn't go and call that extra donor we feel bad we didn't work late we feel bad we got to go home with our kids we feel bad we're not working late enough we feel bad about all of these things and it drains us and then that becomes a burden for everybody else who has to deal with our crankiness because we're not exploring the space and we're not addressing any of these things. So you're 100% right. Just the actual admittance that everything isn't sunshine, rainbows, puppy dogs, and ice cream is okay. And we need to talk about it and find other colleagues in our space to just talk about this in a very safe environment because we're all experiencing it, but nobody's talking about it at all. Mm. It's Mallory. I'm so excited to be partnering with my friends at Instill to bring you these episodes all about how we truly enable fundraisers, which include everything from building effective habits to real relationships in order to raise more for your organization. There is so much wisdom in this series, but we know we can't cover everything here. That's why I'm launching a mini course on habit and behavior design for fundraisers specifically. And here's the best part. Instill is sponsoring this course for a year, which means it's 100% free to you. The mini course is launching live on January 25th. To sign up and come live or get the recording, go to MalloryErickson.com backslash habits to sign up. Yeah, I remember, I remember sitting in a staff meeting once the first time I really realized like I needed to talk about my feelings because I was going to explode. And I remember talking about this donor that I had had a really great meeting with who had made a verbal pledge for 25,000 and then ghosted me. And I was like 18 emails and, you know, in or whatever to trying to figure out what was going on. And I was, I was so, I was so scared. I was so hurt. I was so, and I remember sitting in the meeting and said, yeah, honestly, the whole situation just really hurts my feelings. And everybody just froze. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not five, but like my feelings can still get hurt. Like things can hurt and that's okay. Yeah. 
And like, but it was like the shock reverberation through the room that like, I would admit to be affected by it. And that, that somehow, that somehow, I don't know, like, in the end, what it ended up doing was opening up conversation for everybody to get to share how they felt about a lot of different things. But at first, there was like this moment of like, can she say that? (laughs) I love the fact that we can be or have this conversation to know that the person who's not talking about how bad some of this stuff feels is the one that's hiding the most and who's not being honest with themselves too. Mm. And it's okay. Nobody's going to judge you for it. That's the other Mm. thing too. Like there's not one person that probably came out and said, now, you know what? You're a jerk face for even admitting that you had X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Nobody's saying that. Yeah. Especially now we're in a different, we're in a different realm where fundraising is is so integrated into culture and we're we are the we are the purveyors of stories of organizations that the government can't and won't do and fix we are the gap fillers for all of this stuff so we can admit some of these things and no one's going to bat an eye because they're experiencing whether they're in the private sector public ske- sector stay-at-home parents whatever that is they're all experience this weird moment in time now that we're all sort of like getting for the first time like I can explore any of these feelings and nobody's going to make fun of me for it. And the people who do make fun of you for it are like the ones who are weirdos and the ones who prior to this would be like, Meh, what's wrong with you? So mm. like we can, we can do this. And, and, but the nonprofit industry is the last bastion. I think of an industry that is not open and honest about how tough it is and how it's okay to ask for help. And you think that the board is going to think less of you if you needed help and you're taking on the jobs of three human beings and you think they're going to get mad at you. They aren't. They want to help, but you're not expressing how they can actually help you in the first place. And that is going to be, I think, the new exploration that I think we need to do a lot of. And I think this is a really interesting conversation to sort of spark that that in uh, circles. So kudos for even bringing it up. I think it's I think it's amazing. Yeah, and I hope I hope it we can figure out ways to navigate moving through this. You know, I think one of the reasons why it's so hard for nonprofit leaders to come forward and admit things and say things is because there is this real paternalistic attitude in this sector. Yeah. And so it's Here. like, you know, okay, well, <laughs> I don't want to tell my board because then what if they take it away from me or they think I'm not doing like there's so much energy around like nonprofit leaders not knowing what they're doing, whether it's coming from funders telling them how to do things or their board telling them how to do things. And so I hope that we can figure out ways to navigate this where like this isn't about like I didn't feel less confident in my ability when I like me saying this situation did not go the way I wanted it to. And I feel really hurt by it. And I want to acknowledge that and name it and move forward was not like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so like, I feel like we have to figure out a way to like hold both of those things in balance where we give fundraisers the space to be like, yeah, like we do have the weight of us like so much. And then to also not be able to talk about what's hard. i just did a podcast interview recently on the role of isolation in mental health and like the isolation that fundraisers feel inside their organizations and then inside society in their role as fundraisers on top of the weight that they feel around being responsible for the fulfillment of their missions. It's too much. It would crush anyone. And yet we are expected to just be even keel, be super happy all the time, 
constant, energetic, enthusiastic human being, which we are by nature. But when there are moments there that we don't feel up to the task, it's okay to say like, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. I'm not going to go out to a million coffees. I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to go and so I'm going to post my socials. I'm just going to sit behind my computer and get crap done because I don't feel like peopling today. And it's totally fine. And to have people admit that people, people, I get you and I are the like, personality wise of like, we thrive off other people. But I know I'm, I'm going to assume I'm not going to know. I'm going to assume you need a break at some point and just not deal with human beings because it's our only way to recharge our batteries. And I think a lot of people who are in the fundraising industry think that they have to be on all the time. And this is just something that I've recently sort of dealt with in, in the sense of like, why I don't have to be on all the time. I don't have to put on a show and be like the jazz hands guy. Um, that's hard to do. We could spend an entire podcast series on the fact that 90% of this industry is female too, and the different expectations that you have in comparison to the male uh, versions of fundraisers. We could, that, I mean, that is a whole thing. I'm not going to talk about it because I'm in that privileged uh, part where I, well, I I've seen you saying it. Yeah. Well, it, I recognize it. I can say and do things that you can't. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's horrible to say, but I get to be in the good old boys club and you get to be, you know, not. And that is still a thing, especially in flyover country, Mallory. It is a absolute epidemic still. And so that adds on you're you were listing off the number of stressors add being a mom, add being sort of the breadwinner of the household as a mom, add that on top of your list too. There are stressors upon stressors upon stressors. And if we don't talk about it, this whole industry is going to implode from the inside because people will walk away from the industry. You're seeing this all the time too, where people are walking away from the nonprofit world. They're going to corporate because they've got better everything. And we need our enthusiastic champions and the way that you do that is to express yourself in a way that it's healthy and you got to connect with people who are like-minded like you to talk about these things. You have to. Okay. There's so much of what you just said that I, that I want to like double click on, like the layers of stress from like the financial health of people who work in the sector, the pressure that puts on them, the yeah, sexual harassment of people like microaggressions, full out racism. I mean, like women of color in particular, in this world. I mean, the layers on layers, like if we do not figure out new ways of, of taking care of our of, of fundraisers in particular, I really do think we will see this sector like implode. And yes. I think there's this other piece that you said that I've never thought about before. And you were sort of alluding to it, which is like, there's a difference between extroversion and being able to deal with dysregulating interactions with humans on a regular basis. So, so many fundraisers are extroverted. They thrive off of the energy of other people, but that's mm -hmm. so different than dealing with things like rejection and ghosting. And so <laughs> I think they're like, oh, like I'm extroverted. So like I should go out there and keep connecting. But like when you deal with something like that, that dysregulates your nervous system, you need to heal from that. And healing from that does not happen because your body is in protection mode then. You're not open to connection. So jumping right into a donor meeting right after that isn't actually going to be healing, even if you're an extrovert, because your nervous system is in is is in a different place. And I did a podcast interview at the beginning of this year with this woman, Arosha Brower, and she talked about athletes and how 
you know, athletes are, you know, 90% practice and recovery and 10% performance. And I remember being on the episode and being like, wow, fundraisers are 90% performance and 10% practice and recovery. And like, what is that doing to us? No wonder we're burning out. Yeah. Oh, that is that that is such a good analogy to this entire uh, system. And it's because we're expected to. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get a lot of these lines, and I know that everybody is like, "Well, we hired you to do this." Whoa, whoa, whoa! You hired me to do a job that was a function of the things that you listed. You didn't hire me to be the personality that's going to overcome every gong show that you're producing for us. We're not responsible for that, and yet we are in a position because we're in the nonprofit world that we shoulder it ourselves. We do all the time. So a lot of non-profiteers that will be listening to this are going to be, first of all, I feel bad about the amount of like nodding and head creaking that they're going to be doing because <laughs> that's a, this is going to be one of those episodes where you're like, goodbye headbang at a concert all night because I'm just nodding and in, in, in agreement because that's where the state is. So if there's any practical advice that I can give to anyone who is in the fundraising realm who's thinking about this and, and really sort of taking this in and just sitting with it. And I would, honestly, there were so many good nuggets that you were saying that I'd listened to this twice. Seriously, it, because there's a lot to just absorb and then just sit with it. And then it's almost like, how can you approach your leadership team to say, listen, I don't need 15 new people, but I need some assistance, either opening doors and being responsible for your board of directors, or I need some space to sort of breathe in between the 15 events that I do. I need some uh, I need some energy from the leadership squad that's not like cascading down, where's the money, where's the money all the time. I need at least something that's gonna tell me that I am a good human first, that the budget comes second, that we're building relationships and that takes a hell of a long time and give me the grace and the timeline to do it Instead of this peer pressure that says you've got six months after hire to reach $100,000 in which we raised 12 last year, BS that we are expected to do. And I hope that you are inspired to just pause and have that critical conversation because it's going to save you a lot of, it's a hell of a lot of heartbreak and way less stress on yourself if you just breathe and know that everybody else in the world is thinking the same thing, regardless of industry, but especially the nonprofit world needs to pause and just say, I'm enough. I'm good. We're going to do great. I just need to pace it a little better so I don't go insane so I can do the good work that our nonprofits are doing in the community that needs us. And without me and without my mental health, none of this works. So you're doing okay. The moral of the story is you're doing okay. You're doing better than okay. You're doing but you're doing okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's end there. Tell folks where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can listen to more of you, all the yes. things. I love it. Go. You can find me at dogoodbetterconsulting.com. You can find my uh, podcast at the official Do Good Better podcast. Uh, you can find a book, Fundraise Awesomer on Amazon. You can find me everywhere. I'm on social media everywhere. You find me, Patrick Kirby, Do Good Better Consulting. Now, first of all, again, I'm super jealous of your name of your podcast, number one. Number two, 
thank you for inviting me on the show. This is super fantastic. This is one of those podcasts that people should be listening to consistently. So if you're not subscribed, please do it. Um, and then just thanks for being an awesome human who's talking about things that not a lot of people are doing. This is the type of conversation that's going to help our industry exponentially down the line. So you're the best. I hope so. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom and just go in there with me. I just, I knew we could do it and I'm proud of us Done. for doing it. So <laughs> I love it. I hope today's episode inspired or challenged you to think differently. For additional takeaways, tips, show notes, and more about our amazing guests and sponsors, head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast. And if you didn't know, hosting this podcast isn't the only thing I do. Every day I coach, guide, and help fundraisers and leaders just like you inside of my program, The Power Partners Formula Collective. Inside the program, I share my methods, tools, and experiences that have helped me fundraise millions of dollars and feel good about myself in the process. To learn more about how I can help you, visit MalloryErickson.com backslash power partners. Last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to encourage you to share it with a friend you know would benefit or leave a review. I'm so grateful for all of you and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.